Uh, one of the things that the pastors um, try to do is, is help the church understand what it is to be part of the church. So uh, I have a question, or not a little question, I guess a little trivia maybe. Um, as we read earlier, this is the third Sunday of Advent, the Advent season. And did you know that there are multiple seasons in the church calendar year, just as we have summer, spring, winter, and fall? Not necessarily in that order. Um, uh, the, the different seasons are Advent, uh, Christmas tide, Epiphany, Lent, Easter tide, and Pentecost. Now, some of those will sound familiar, and some maybe not so much. But the thing is, is that they all tie in together one to another. And uh, an example of that is the pink candle that we lit today, representing joy. Uh, in the early church, there was only one season, there was Lent. And it was seven weeks of fasting. Imagine seven weeks of fasting, not eating during daylight hours, period. I don't do so well fasting for blood work first thing in the morning. So I, can't, I just can't imagine that. But somewhere along the way, um, they began to recognize there should be some joy. There should be a celebration. And so they, they, for whatever reason, they chose the third week of this fasting season to throw all that aside and feast and celebrate for a week. So it was the joy, the week of joy. Okay. So later on in the history of the church, when they established the Advent season, they carried that forward and they brought that idea that the third week should be especially set aside for joy and celebration in what was to come. And they marked that with pink, um, whether that be the decorations, the, the dressing, what have you. So that is carried over into this tradition from the old traditions. And so it's that way with the characteristics that we learn through our faith as well. And that's where the message is going to go today. So as we uh, approach uh, the scripture, although uh, it's already been introduced, um, which again, you'll see that in a moment. Uh, it's amazing how God lines things up, Casey. Uh, so let's go to, uh, to the Lord in prayer as we prepare to receive his word. God Almighty, I don't know why, but we are often amazed at you. You are the creator, the very idea of creating something from nothing uh, escapes us. We, we raise people up and put them at, at heights because they took something that you already created and they used it in a new way and we call them inventors. But Lord, you are the ultimate inventor. You created out of nothing and you made us. Though you made us, we, you give us the opportunity to choose or not choose you. And so because of that, um, we are faulty. We are all sinners and broken. And the only way we have any relationship with you is because of your grace and the living grace through the death of your son, Jesus, on the cross. So we humbly come to you and we ask for your forgiveness. Whatever it is that we brought in here with us, Lord, we lay it at your feet and we ask you for, to forgive us. Make us again new. Fill us with your spirit. As we forgive others who have done the same to us, Lord, help us because that is maybe the most difficult thing you ask us to do. Help us to forgive as you forgive. Fill us now with your Spirit and teach us. Teach us through your Holy Scripture 
And the words that you have given me this morning, Lord, let them be yours. This I pray to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, first or the third Sunday in Advent, joy. Joy. Casey uh, unknowingly introduced um, the first reading of Scripture this morning. And uh, it's kind of a crazy one. It it's almost seems impossible. Um, so uh, would you please rise as we read James 1. And I'm going to read a little more than she did. I'm going to go all the way to verse 12. Uh, so verse uh, James 1, 2 through 12. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because one who doubts is like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like the wildflower. For the sun rises with a scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom fail, falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is one who per perseveres under trial because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen. God bless the reading of the word. You may be seated. As I said, wow, those are difficult. Those are difficult. And, and I know that there are some in the church that have been holding on to those and, and wrestling with them for some time. And, and it's understandable. How do you take joy or find joy when you're under fire? When the job is gone, the car is about to be repossessed, when everyone is racing to get this and that, but you feel all alone? When your body is failing you. How do you find joy? It seems crazy what James said. Well, as I said, the Christian seasons feed one into another, so too do the characteristics that we garner from Christ. And so, as, as we started uh, this Advent season, we talked, or we shared that the first Sunday is celebrated of hope. And hope is an interesting thing. Many people have hope in different things. Some people hope the Cowboys will win tonight or today. Um, some people hope, um, there you go. Some people hope that, uh, you know, they'll get a certain thing for Christmas or what have you. But obviously we're, we're talking about something a little bigger here. We're talking about hope in the Savior. And so what we're going to do is, is we, we've talked to, we looked at James. Um, we're going to look a little bit at Matthew, specifically at Joseph, uh, a little question that he had to deal with. Uh, 
And, and then we're going to look a little bit in 1 Corinthians because I spend a lot of time in 1 Corinthians these days. Um, and the Lord just keeps, keeps talking to me about it. So with that said, I'm going to start here with Matthew 1, verse 20 through 23. And we're going to see what's up with Joseph. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Wow. Now that's, that's pretty heavy stuff to be dreaming as a young man. Sometimes I think we forget how young Joseph probably was, 16-ish, 17, 18 maybe. And he's sitting here contemplating as he goes to sleep, and he has this vision. Now, we're also at a little bit of a disadvantage because we don't quite get the meaning behind some, some words. But, but Jesus, he would have recognized immediately, is the name that means Jehovah the Savior. God the Savior. I'm supposed to call my son Jesus, God the Savior. That's what the angel told him. Now, consider who, who we're talking about here, Joseph. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's of the line of David, son of David. See, he's in the tribe of David. The Messiah will come from the tribe of David. Do you think they're a little bit pumped up about that? They care a little bit about a little bit of chip on their shoulders about that? Yeah. So this is who we're talking to. And he's always had this hope. They have known that the Savior is one of the stories that are told from, from, from little kids. The Messiah is going to come and he's going to save us. But what did they think? He's going to save us from this, whatever the local, the latest oppressor is through their history. And so if you think about that, they've been waiting for a Savior for all through the history if we think about the Bible. If you talk about Noah, saving him from the flood. You talk about Abraham, saving Lot from the destruction of Sodom. You talk about Moses, who led him out of bondage, saved him from the Egyptians. But was it really those men that did the saving? No was God. They held Moses. Moses was like the, I don't know, whatever. I don't think we really have anything to compare him to in our society. But he was it. Everything was compared to Moses. Mosaic law, everything was based on Mosaic law. Everything that came out of Moses' mouth was important. And, and he was it. But this, this little baby that Mary had inside her, was going to be God with us. He would be called Emmanuel. This is the message that he received. So he had this hope all along. And now, now, 
There was more to it. Now there was more to it. You see, hope is what he always had. And you know what? As we approach Christmas, I hope you remember that it's not just celebrating the baby like the kids showed us last week. He's coming again. And that's our hope. Right? So we have hope, just like Joseph had hope. But we know the rest of the story, or at least a, a good bit more than he did. So, here's the deal. It's just hope. Until then. Until the visit of the angel. And then it changed. So let's read the next two verses and see what happens. Verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. I could just stop right there. See, the hope changed. It wasn't just hope anymore. It became something to act upon. So he took his wife. You see, he was contemplating divorcing. How do I sever this agreement? How do I divorce her? Because they were betrothed to one another. And in, in their culture, it was the same as already being married. But here's the thing. If he did, he would have to admit that she was not pregnant from him, which means she would be stoned to death. This is what he's contemplating back in verse 20. Okay? At, at verse 20, he says, But as he considered these things, those were the things. That's where he was. That's where he was. But after he woke up, he took his wife. He made it official. He made her his wife. Why? Because his hope became faith. He had something new. He had something new. And, but he knew her not until he had, she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Now think about that. What's his name, Joseph? Oh, my son's name is Jehovah the Savior. What? You named your son God the Savior. Seriously? That's what he did. Why? Because he was told to. He obeyed. His hope became his faith. And, and there's more to it. There's so much more to it. See, he, he was... He was the son of David. He was of the line of David. He risked the entire reputation of his family when he took her as his wife. Because you can imagine, just as in today, when somebody's pregnant, the whole town finds out pretty quickly. So they weren't married, and she was pregnant. But he took her as his wife anyway. He risked the reputation of his family and her family. And he set it all aside. And he said, this vision from God is more important. And it is where my new identity lies. He put it all else beside. And he said, my hope has become faith. 
And he went on and did what he was asked to do. And he had peace about it because he knew he was walking in the steps God wanted him to step. So that hope that we lit the first week and the second week, the candle of faith and peace, those are characteristics we draw from Christ. And so Joseph has suddenly become a new person. The funny thing is, there was nothing special about Joseph. He didn't do anything. But he said yes. He could have said no, just like all of us. He could have said no. No, he took a new identity, a new foundation is what he chose to live his life on. You see, to believe, to believe that this little baby was going to be the Savior, that was going to be God with us. No longer God that, remember, if you think about uh, the stories of when the, the Egyptians released the people and you had the pillars of fire and the, and the wind and, and that, that, that great ominous, they, they dared not even touch the mountain that they thought God was on or that God was on talking with Moses. That, that was the distant God. When they built the temple, they built a special place and only one person could go in there and they had to go through these one, um, just crazy rituals in order to even enter. But no, what the angel said was he would be with us no longer separate, no longer high and up there, but with us. This is a new foundation in a night, in a night that was laid. So, you might say, well, pastor, how does this relate to having joy in times of trial? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you were thinking that. Just as God laid this new foundation for Joseph and Mary as the earthly parents, it, it became who they were, just as when we recognize him as our Savior and we ask him to come in to our hearts, forgive us, then he begins creating a new foundation in us, a, a, new, a new place firm for us to stand upon, and it's on Christ. And everything that we draw from Christ, the hope, the faith, the peace, that's the new foundation that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. And he re repeat, repeatedly refers to foundations and then the folly of this world. So foundation in Christ and the folly of this world. That's, he, he loves those, those words. And I understand why after digging in and preparing this message, as I looked in chapter 3, uh, the second half of verse 10 and all of verse 11. He says, Let each one take care how he builds upon it, that being the foundation of Christ. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, he's talking about who we are. How do you define yourself? Um, I know uh, I've heard many people discuss the, the idea of African-American or 
uh, American Indian or whatever, whatever word goes first. And I don't think any of that really matters, but what matters is in your mind, what are you first? Are you first a Christian? And then whatever else? Or are you a Cowboys fan first and then whatever else? Or are you a, I don't know, president of a company and then whatever else? Are you the father of so-and-so or then and then whatever else? You see, we, we have this way of making our identity about something we are or do or something around us. And I know for most of my years um, in, the, in the service, um, my identity completely revolved around what I was at work and what I did as I played because I loved to play sports. It didn't matter what it was. I loved to play. And so um, I don't know that I completely found peace in, in any of that because, well, it's not very stable. Might have a great day one day, and the next day somebody come in and mess that whole thing up. You might, you know, win three games in a row and have, you know, a great batting average in softball, and then the next game you pop up three times in the infield, you know, and it's it's all done. All right. Or as I get older, my body says you're not playing nothing. I would struggle to play 18 holes of golf. Maybe I could ride it, but walking it would be tough. There's, I do bowl on Thursday nights, but my arm's killing me the next day. I, I don't get it. But that's the way life is, you see. Another thing that we, we tend to, to identify with is our country. And somehow it becomes our primary identity for so many people. And if you haven't figured it out yet, the government's going to fail you. Right? It, it just is. It's made up of people. What do you expect? We're not, none of us are perfect. And the last one is probably maybe the hardest one. It is our family. And we talked about Joseph and how he's the son of David, how he is of the line of David, that, that tribe, that most honored tribe, not because of what they did, but because of who's going to come from them. But they still held themselves up. But we do that with our families, don't we? And it's, it's kind of crazy. What, you think they're not going to make mistakes like we did? Right? Our kids? And eventually they're going to grow up. Hopefully one day they'll move out. Right? Hopefully, you know, hopefully. Um, it's just kind of crazy to like put, give them all the responsibility for our joy and our, our peace and all that. It's just not fair. You see, the truth is there's only one. There is only one. And that's Jesus Christ that is ready, willing, and able to take that weight to be that foundation, to truly be your identity. And, and so when we do that, we're different. You see, we realize the folly of this world. Everything, everything in this world is temporary. Now, I know that's hard for us to understand because that's all we know. 
but it's temporary. Stuff. Wisdom. Man, if you could have been smart 20 years ago and you can't operate your phone today, right? I mean, wisdom is a fleeting thing, not to mention that your mind goes. I've joked several times this week how I remember everything. I just don't have a good index. <clears throat> you know, trials, the things that really just get us, they're temporary too. They're all temporary. And they will fall away just like that flower. It will go. And so all that is left is that hope through the faith with an eternal life with Christ. And that brings a peace that makes no sense in this world. And it is those things, an identity built on that foundation of Christ, hope, faith, and peace that leads to this joy that James is talking about in all circumstances. Because it's built on what matters. What is eternal. And, and I pray, I pray that you hang your hope on Him this season and not on things that you think you need. And I, I pray that you light the season with your faith in Him and not the decorations. And I pray, I pray that you find peace on earth in the wisdom of his coming rather than looking for it somewhere else. We are so blessed. And we're not blessed with things, but with him. And not for a moment, not for that fleeting moment, not to be that wildflower that withers tomorrow, but for eternity, eternity. Emmanuel, God with us. What an amazing foundation to build your life on. It's a foundation that withstands the flames of trial. And more than that, it's a faith that will inflame your heart with an unspeakable, crazy joy. That's the joy we celebrate today. And I pray it's the joy you take into this season and every day from here on, if you haven't already. I don't know if anyone else has any prayers left. Um, if, you, if you need someone to pray with you, I, I am available. If you need to talk during the week, if the season is waiting on you, you are given this family for a reason. You're not alone. Carry his joy. Take your hope and your faith and, and, and believe. Turn it into action and you'll find peace. And when you have the peace, it's all joy. It's all joy. God bless you.